environment. It's the Aaron environment. I am not Aaron, but she is. The environment? Yes. <laughs> I just thought we'd get this new thing where I say who you are and you say who I am. Because that's oh. weird and backwards. I'm Aaron, and I am not my lovely co-host who is sitting in a very comfortable looking sweater, I might add, named Jamin. And I am Jamin and not Aaron. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to the Air Environment, everybody. Aaron, this time, has crafted our episode in such a way that I cannot hijack it, for <laughs> I do not have much wisdom. So, go ahead. It's a fountain Aaron. of wisdom. What is he talking about? Are you starting us with uh, um, happier, sad stories before we move forward? Uh, I mean, no, no stories today. Mostly just like the world <laughs> right now is a thing. So. Yeah, I was waiting for your Corona's impact on the environment. Uh, that is a really uh, difficult thing to answer, actually, because there are good impacts on the environment in places like Venice where all the wildlife have started to come back. There's like fish in the canals again and pollution over China is down because people aren't traveling because they were in lockdown. So like things like that are good, but Corona is very bad. And it, and also stories like that are dangerous because it puts on this like persona, like, Oh, humans are the problem, which is like, true but also like we shouldn't be saying bad stuff <laughs> like that no maybe we're not the problem as much as the things we do are the problem correct okay there you go i we fixed it see your wisdom is necessary and now i have nothing left to say everyone <laughs> that was everything Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, just thank you to everyone who's out there making us safe so we can sit at home. So, there is that. Uh, but today, we're talking about how to be a good environmental steward. So, we've kind of talked about why we should do it and what it is. So, let's talk about how we can do it. So, I have a list of several things that we can do here, and I'm sure one Jamin will have a lot of opinions on, so I'm going to save that till later in the podcast, because it's going hmm. <laughs> I will formulate them as we go along. Uh, so, my big... These are a lot of, like, little things that you can do, and I'm not saying necessarily that you have to do all of these things. Like, if you can't afford to do all of these things, that's okay. Because at the end of the day, like being a good environmental steward is not supposed to be like a stress on your life. Like if it puts a huge weight on your chest, if you're sitting at target and you can't decide what kind of diaper to grab because you can't afford the reusable ones, that's fine. That's okay. Like there's ways around 
like using stuff like that in your life. Do what works for you and do what's affordable. Unless we have options for everyone to always pick the good option, then you just have to do what works for your life. So that is my disclaimer at the beginning of this. You're cool. waiting for me to already rip things apart or something. <laughs> I just honestly was a little bit. Like I was like, okay, Jamin might have something. Excellent. He has nothing. So my first big thing is stop using single-use plastics. So these are basically what it sounds like. They're plastics that you only use once, like straws, plastic ghost grocery bags, saran wrap, um, food packaging on fresh vegetables at the grocery store, which you cannot avoid sometimes, but things that you can do to like not use them. A lot of that ends up in our water systems. A lot of it is just like in the ocean and the fish that you eat will eat that and then you eat the fish and you want them to eat healthy things because you're ingesting them. Mm, uh, also, saran wrap plastic. is a huge one because people roll it up and then it gets into these tight little tiny balls called nargles and like turtles and fish will just eat them and it'll, kill, it'll kill them. What? <laughs> my cat ate a balloon the other day so I understand. Yeah, they just eat stuff. My dog used to eat plastic bags. Like, it's just not not for them. (laughs) Plastic has a really long half-life, meaning it takes a crazy long time to break down. Like, a single plastic water bottle can take around 450 years to degrade. Oh. Yeah. I've eaten a lot of centuries worth of water. (laughs) Water trash. Yeah, it is water trash. So things that you can do as alternatives. So for straws, straws are a big thing. A lot of people are buying stainless steel straws, reusable hard plastics, which are different from the single use. Single use, you can tell, are usually really flimsy. Uh, the hard plastics are things that like pens are made out of. They'll last a long time. Um, fabric, reusable grocery bags is a good one. Like Uh, Here in the UK, I actually have to pay money to use bags, like the plastic bags at the grocery store. It's like five pence or cents a plastic bag. So that adds up, especially at Meijer in in Michigan. When I went home, I was like, there's like 20 bags here. And I was just thinking, I'm like, that's so much money if I had done this in (laughs) Scotland. It's like the Aldi rent-a-cart thing. Yeah, yeah. Rent-a-cart, put a cart back. Um, I, instead of saran wrap, what I actually use is beeswax cloth. So it's cloth that's coated in, in beeswax that like sticks to the container. It's very similar to that. And the nice part about it is, is that it, I think it's good for like a hundred uses and you can buy it. Like some companies will have beeswax that you can buy to put, to refresh your cloth or you can do your own beeswax recipe. You can find them anywhere online and you just use like fabric and they're really easy to just make and keep using for a really long time. And then eventually it will degrade, but you have it's cloth. So a lot of the companies that do it have biodegradable cloth. That way, once it's like so bad, you can't use it anymore. You can throw it in the compost. Um, and you know, when I was talking about fresh vegetables, this is a bigger thing here for me because I remember I shopped at most exclusively at Meyer. I remember shopping at grocery stores in the States and most of our fresh vegetables are actually just in a pile in the grocery store. And here, because 
though the way that they're packaged they're all individually wrapped so like i'll buy like a mango and it's completely wrapped in plastic even though it's just one mango and it's like why why are you like this so first off you just don't buy mangoes because they taste weird what and then you save the environment Jamin for the win. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Jamin, anti-mango. I do have wisdom to add. Jamin's like, this is an anti-mango podcast. We are That's right. That's not support. Slogan. Do the not support slogan. mangoes. <laughs> That's going to be the new picture of the air environment. Just a cross oh, mark. A over mango it. with a cross through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, something else that you... So our next thing. So that's the single-use plastics. Try to avoid them. The next thing we can do is try to buy food locally. So our carbon footprint from food isn't just from like what it costs to grow. It's transport. So things like couscous and avocados actually travel a really long way to get to where you go. Quinoa, another one, take a really long way to travel to the grocery store. Um, like for instance, most of our apples aren't grown in the UK. They're grown in New Zealand and then shipped to the UK, which is like, it's a two day plane ride if I want to go basically. So that's being shipped all the way from so far away has a huge carbon footprint. So what you have to do is look at your, if you can't go to like a farmer's market, which is a really great way to support local farmers and buy local produce. Um, what you can do is look at packaging and a lot of times it will tell you where it's from, like on the package. So a lot of our potatoes will be like made in Scotland, um, which is great. <laughs> I like potatoes. Uh and what you want to do also is to try buy seasonal fruit. So the states are really good about having seasonal fruit that's just there for you to buy. Uh, Michigan is like the apple state. I'm sure you know, Jamin, when you go in like to any grocery store. <laughs> it's like the first thing right there. In fall, there's just like 15 varieties of apples. They're like, oh, take as many as you want. And they're all locally grown, which is great. Yeah. I heard... That plants and vegetables can suffer jet lag. Thoughts? In what way? I, I don't know. You ship them too far and they get jet lagged. <laughs> That's interesting. I'll find, I'll find the article while you, you continue You should, talking. because like, I can see how that, would, how that would make sense. But I need a bit more context for what it. What more context do you need? They get jet lagged. <laughs> jet lagged. The apples are tired, Aaron. They're tired. Right. Uh, so yeah, buying stuff locally, also supporting your local farmers is great because you want to have a variety of fruit and vegetables in your diet. So there's like 600 plants, I'm pretty sure 600, 6,000 plants that we can grow and harvest food from. And out of those, we only like 96% are like six, there's six plants that we grow and eat. So if you buy locally, you're more likely to buy a variety of goods as opposed to like one one type of food. So like, do you know worldwide, we basically only eat one banana, like one genetic variety of banana. That seems odd. And that genetic variety of banana was actually a replacement 
for a variety of banana from before. Because that banana was actually going extinct because of a, f a soil fungus that was attacking it. Which is wild. And this, this variety of banana that we have now is starting to be attacked by that exact same fungus. So the problem with the fungus is that it's soil-based, so people just walk around and spread it. It's very difficult to, like, nail it down. So, like, eventually we might not have any more bananas. Don't say that. Eat all of the bananas. All the bananas and all the chocolate. Two things I like to eat. So just a voice sat back. <laughs> One kind of banana bad. Because it has the same problem. One kind of banana bad, because once that banana's gone, all of bananas are gone. Okay, so here's banana, here's corona. Banana sensitive to corona, corona comes, wipes out all bananas. But if other bananas not sensitive to corona live, corona yeah. comes, wipes out one part of bananas. <laughs> Okay, I think <laughs> Corona a lot, and it's a soil fungus, but I feel like you're getting the gist of what I'm saying. Bio-variety food. An analogy that people today can, can understand. Yes, okay, fine. <laughs> I take it back. I get it. One banana bad. Never mind, everyone. <laughs> So, Jamin has sent me an article from the Smithsonian called Your Fruits and Vegetables Can Tell Day from Night and Can Even Get Jet Lag. So, New Shine shows that cabbage, carrots, and blueberries experience circadian rhythm with potential consequences of nutrition. That is interesting. Wow. Okay. So, like, they obviously don't have a, like, consciousness or nervous system they're vegetables but they do have like a clock because they're plants and they recognize like where the sun is so they behave differently depending on their exposure to light and darkness which makes sense they have like something similar to a circadian rhythm which is how we act where we're like more active during the day and then we're sleepy at night or if you're a night owl you're the opposite but that's your circadian rhythm but if they don't have reliable daily exposure to sunlight, uh, they build up. They don't. They build up a reserve of defensive chemicals, making them taste worse. Oh, that's interesting. So they can develop actual jet lag because they're in the dark all the time, and they build up all of these like chemicals that makes them taste worse. So if they're traveling a longer distance, then they're becoming worse. Because they're not getting the exposure to the sunlight that they need. So what you're saying is, if I were to fly to Scotland, mm -hmm. get off the plane, and be eaten by a cannibal, I would taste worse. Yes, you are very tired. Because I am jet lagged. Correct. See, I'm tracking with this. Yeah, good job. I'm going to keep up. 
good old Scotland cannibals. <laughs> old Scotland cannibals. Oh my god! I'll put a link to this uh, article on our Twitter account. It's actually really interesting. Um, so you it's can super it. old. What year? When did that come out? Twenty thirteen. Uh, yeah. Super I remember old. I talked about it on the radio back when I worked radio. So did you? I could have sworn I saw something somewhere. <laughs> well, sometimes old science can still be accurate science. Like gravity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the oldest of science. I am on fire with analogies today. <laughs> All right. Jamin, staying on topic. Good job, buddy. I'm proud of you. <laughs> So, yeah, buy food locally. It's good for you. Um, a big thing people also talk about, I'm sure everybody's heard of this, recycling. Heard about it. Yep. Reduce, reuse, recycle. So recycling is really important. Putting stuff that we've already created back into the system is really good. Some people do things like upcycle where they take stuff that they don't want and then make it into new things or give it away. But basically, you've got, like, cardboard boxes, uh, plastics that aren't one use sometimes, and you just need to recycle them. You Recycling is a great way to do that. They shred them up and can put them. Sometimes they put them in paper. There's a toilet paper brand that recycles paper and turns it into toilet paper. Um, I can't remember what the name of it is right now. Something. Elephant poop. Is that uh what? I don't know. Someone gave me a bookmark made out of elephant poop or something. Which by the way I did not use and basically threw away, so you okay. <laughs> as much as I'm for putting poop in my books. Who you... gives a crap toilet paper? That's what it's called. And and that's from recycled what? Uh recycled post consumer waste fibers. So basically cardboard boxes and whatnot. Okay. But I have a lot of afraid when you said exactly. waste fibers that it was like human waste fibers. No, absolutely not. I have a like lot of friends. Toilet paper out of poop. Paper and they say it's really nice. So I would recommend right. give the crap toilet paper. All right. Uh yeah, so recycling, great. Uh in Scotland we have to recycle. It's part of our taxes that we pay here. So we have a big blue box outside our apartment and we take all of our recycling and we put it in there. Um in some places if you recycle incorrectly you actually get fined. So that's something that's a little different. Um I know in the States it's a bit more difficult to recycle. A lot of times you have to pay for the service outside of regular fees which is and if you can't afford it that's okay um i know places like chelsea has a recycling center where it's just big giant like boxes what are those box things that you put stuff in um often Whatever. called boxes or big metal cubes that you put your recycling in <laughs> i cannot What's that box thing you put stuff in? What's, what's hmm. a box? Big metal cube. Called a box. I <laughs> literally the uh, definition. Those of us who live in states in. where you get bottle buyback, you're recycling right there. You're making money off of it, but you are recycling. So we're not making money off of it. We're paying money into it, and then if we want our money back, Michigan holds it hostage. You want you want your extra ten cents? You come back. Come back. Give us your cans. Yeah. 
and then you buy more soda with that money. It's true. Yes, it's always just paying for pop ahead of time. Most <laughs> you're like, and this will be my can next time I go in. Basically. Oh yeah. So recycling, very very good. Uh, something you can also do is compost. Yay, composting! I actually don't know if you can compost in Jackson City limits. Uh, I think for smelling reasons, maybe not. Uh, well, we did it downtown when we had a, a community garden, but I don't know if we got special permission for that or not. Okay. Cause I know, cause I know, um, some Katie said that she can't, but I don't know if that's Katie is someone who lives near them, um, in Jackson. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. There's some places where you can't because of smelling reasons. Um, I just throw everything behind her garage, so <laughs> I kind of compost. Kind of compost. They well, if you want to properly here. compost, I would suggest you go online and read about it because it does take a bit of work. It's mostly food waste that people compost with because you have uh, microbes in a pile and they basically break down the waste that you put there and you have to stir it to mix up those microbes so they attack everything that's in it and it does it generates heat so wood chips that are left alone for a long time will actually steam and spontaneously combust because it's so hot yeah so it that's something that you have to be aware of like compost can if you're doing it correctly will be very warm but it's good for if you have a garden or if you're growing your own vegetables or you can give it to your neighbors, things like that. Here I have to compost that actually someone takes it away and then takes it to a compost center and then they uh, make compost there and then they sell it like government compost. They sell it to like farmers or whatever. So you can burn your house down by composting? Uh, uh, no, that was a very specific situation. I was just saying that microbes do generate heat. But when you're composting things like banana peels, orange peels, or like food waste, like eggshells, it's not, not going to spontaneously combust because it's quite wet. But wood chips are inherently like flammable. So it, people with large piles of wood chips, and I know this because I was volunteering somewhere where we had a giant pile of wood chips and we were really concerned it would spontaneously combust because it was in the middle of winter and it was steaming. It was so hot. Cool. So it will... Because the microbes are breaking it down, but they're breaking it down in the center of it. So you've seen this with hay, like the big round hay bales that people do. Like the centers are known to spontaneously combust because... What? Yeah. So the microbes will start there and start heating up the hay. And then the hay will light and burn the whole stack down. That's why farmers try to use them very quickly. Because if they just sit around for a long time, then... This is why I don't farm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in the great hay bale farm of 2019. <laughs> walked outside and the apocalypse had begun. <laughs> <sighs> Microbes everywhere. Oh, man. Yeah, everywhere. Just everywhere. Microbes for days. This explains forest fires. <laughs> So composting is actual, like, it's not like, it's a lot, it is a lot of work. Like, if you want to do it, you have to, like, go out and mix it every day. So I don't blame people for not wanting to do it, is to make make it properly, it's work. Um, And now the thing that uh, Jamin's not going to like, is my recommendation, is eat less meat. Dang it, Aaron. (laughs) We had a deal. (laughs) 
I'd help with the podcast under one situation. <laughs> you left me out of it. <laughs> okay, to clarify, I am not saying become a vegetarian or become vegan. There are a plethora of ecological and environmental issues with both of those lifestyles. Not to say that being a carnivore or omnivore, as it were, is also inherently good. Uh, like thing, Quinoa is a great example of this. Quinoa is a protein. It's not a seed. So the places where it originated in, that's their only real form of protein to eat. And in first world countries like the States or places in Europe, that became a very popular food because it is a really good source of protein for vegans and vegetarians. But the problem is, is that the quinoa was being made where it's from and because they can sell it off, the price to just buy a bag actually goes up. So the people in that region who rely on this food can no longer afford it. So there are a lot of like weird societal implications. Avocados is another one. They have to cut down whole forests to make avocado farms. And that has a really bad ecological footprint. So like what you're eating and what's trendy is you have to really think about like what you're doing. And it's a whole can of worms. So what I suggest instead is to eat meat sustainably. <laughs> so. what does that mean like half a cow once a week or... <laughs> i mean if that's less than the amount of meat you eat a week jamin then yeah yes! half a cow once a week <laughs> i only get half a cow a week so what i do uh is i have we eat meat maybe once or twice a week and that's like a very special meal and we buy it from a butcher so the butcher has meat locally sourced from this part of scotland i got a doe from a deer color and i skinned and butchered it in my kitchen and i prepped it for freezing so that's the meat i also use just imagining your neighbors looking through the window just you i did kind of feel like a serial killer actually stabbing this hung up deer because oh, I, hey guys, come on in. I want to show you something. All over my kitchen, and then there was just a deer on the floor. <laughs> Stupid Americans moving <laughs> into our town, eating our deer in their kitchens. <laughs> oh, so eating, yeah, just eating meat sustainably is very hard because it is a lot of it is a lot of effort. But even if you don't want to cut it out, because like we're extreme, we only eat it like once or twice a week. If you just eat it, maybe. A two days less a week that still has a better impact than eating it for every single meal. So, like, so <laughs> hang on, hang on, let me do the math. <laughs> Jamin's like, how many moo? So, how much bacon do I have to give up? <laughs> so, like, 12 meals a week instead of 14. <laughs> okay, so. I it would Never. be the day. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Vegetables make me nauseous. It's not my fault. It's good for you. Eat them. Eat the vegetables. So, yeah. So, you would probably eat like 21 meals with meat a week if you're eating three square meals a day. And if you just take out 
two of those, that's 15 meals a week, like two days. That's only 15 meals a week. That's a lot of meals to give up. That's literally six. It's six meals. Am I going to eat, Aaron? Grass? Am I a rabbit? Yes. What am I supposed to do with my life? You're an omnivore. <laughs> like, I'm hardly an omnivore. Stomach. Everyone's two stomach. food groups. Meat and gummy bears. That's about all there is. You're just eating gummy bears for two days, Jamin. Well, that sounds uncomfortable. Or if you're unwilling to do that, like choose breakfast and try not to eat meat at breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. Oh, well, then try to eat not eat meat at lunch, Jamin. I'm not saying don't eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Just eat the other products of animals. I'll just eat the other products of animals, Jamin says. Oh, man. Okay, so that is what I suggest you do. Again, if you can't do these things, Jamin, then you don't necessarily have to, but try to implement it in some way. Uh, and now brings me to my biggest point is that a lot of change happens through two ways. Top-down change, so governmental regulatory change has to happen on a global scale for us to really, really make a difference. Not to say these changes don't make a difference because they do. Because if everyone stopped buying plastic straws, then places would stop making them because there's no demand. Uh, so write to your representatives, write to government officials, or if you that's too much, write to your local level, write to your local government. like your mayor, your school board, like places that will have an effect on your day-to-day -day life that you think will make a bigger impact. Uh, protesting, uh, there's global protests happening, not like right now specifically because most of us have to stay inside. Uh, <laughs> not me, I'm protesting Corona. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, big big uh, protests and marches aren't necessarily happening. There are some digital protests going on. So uh, for school age children who might be listening to this, uh, Greta Thunberg, everybody knows, has the online strikes on Fridays. Uh, if you want to look up Extinction Rebellion, I'm sure they have a lot of things. So their whole thing is we're rebelling against the current system and how it's acting and we want to live. We want to save the planet. So they have good goals in mind. Uh, or contact a local conservation charity and see what you can do to help them. So there are ways for you to like demonstrate that this needs to happen without necessarily having to leave your house uh, currently, or when everything comes back to some sort of normal capacity, because let's face it, the world is inherently changed as it is. But when we come back to something normal, we could probably take to the streets again. Um, so yeah. And the second way that is probably the most important way out of like the top 10 uh, like lists of who to talk to and how stuff has changed. Number two is talking is scientists convincing people climate change is real. And number one is you convincing people, you know, climate change is real. And I don't know why I'm doing my fingers. This is a podcast. No one can see me do this. Uh <laughs> So talking to people you know about it, that is the most important thing. And I'm guilty of this because I definitely did this on our podcast a few weeks ago, but I just attended a conference, uh, attended as in I sat at my computer at home, 
conference from a very famous Christian and environmental scientist or climate climate scientist named Catherine Hayhoe. And so she talks about people, talks to people about the climate all the time. And there's three things you can do to talk about it. And it's you bond and connect and inspire. So by bonding with people, you know, so you're addressing issues with like identity politics. So come to them on an even ground. Like don't come at someone from an angle of attacking their way of life and saying that they're wrong about something. Try to talk about how how it affects them and that's connect addressing psychological distance so addressing things that happen here because when we talk about the lions in africa that's something that we're like oh that's sad but it's so far away um in africa it's a big deal and it is a big deal but in michigan great example we have lots of things that are invasive non-native species so when I used to work for the Department of Agriculture and I would talk about working on the Emerald Ash Borer Project, a lot of people would talk to me about their ash trees or other invasive non-natives and ask me how this happened and what they can do about it because they could see the trees in their backyards dying from something that is climate related. So we have to address things that seem far and actually bring it home. And then from there, we need to inspire people. And again, these are all things that she said, which is address solution aversion. So instead of talking about the bad stuff, we need to talk about the good stuff that's happening. So point to what companies are doing, what people are doing, what governments are doing, uh, what, yeah, just what your community is doing locally to help you. So talk talk to people about it it's important and i know that simply by talking to my parents that a lot of the ways that they interact with the world around them have changed and even just i mean even in a small time so they they think about what they're doing now and because i just talk about it because it's my job it's part of my job so i just am constantly talking about it all the time so yeah well i think that's all important you know every week when i have to get on a stage and preach something first off much of the bible is a lot more offensive than (laughs) (laughs) than people think if you actually pay attention to what it's saying and try to live it out so i'm always like getting on the stage trying to figure out a how do i say this correctly b how do i say it in a way people will listen even if they don't agree or don't want to agree and then c like how do I think of what questions are they already going to ask and try to address it while I'm talking right. before I'm done with this whole thing? So I think all the tips that um, she gave at the end there, those are those are all great because that's part of the reason I think people don't always listen about climate change and all these other things. It's just all can be like very negative and, and uh, phrased in a way where you're always the enemy rather than someone who can make a difference so people come in just offended from the get-go uh and i think just trying to trying to figure out how to say truth but in a way that people will listen i think is important right yeah like because it is it is scary but we can make a difference and it takes and you know saying it takes a village so it takes everybody and we can all do stuff to help it even in small little ways even if the only thing you can manage to do 
is stop using plastic grocery bags. That's a lot. Like, like, imagine how many grocery bags, because everybody's got that bag of bags at their house that they get every time they go. Imagine how many grocery bags you get in a year, and if you just stop using plastic grocery bags for a year, that's so much plastic. So, like, you don't have to do every single thing I did, said today, but just doing, like, one little thing is a lot. It's a lot. So, Jamin has said to me, he typed it to me, he's not going to eat any more bacon. He's giving up bacon forever. That's what he said. Um, <laughs> I don't see that in the same chat window. You don't want to <laughs> delete what that bot is, whatever you got going on there. Uh, but yeah. I do feel inspired to try harder. I just need to figure out where my cat litter goes if I have no plastic bags. Oh, yeah. that's I, I do sometimes end up with plastic bags because I need them for trash. Unless you knit together a bag to throw stuff away in every week. Hmm. Every few days. That's a lot of wool. Although, sheep just grow wool. It's true. Just buy yourself a sheep and then... Just the one. Just the one sheep for trash bags. It's my trash sheep. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Trash sheep. That's our other slogan. (coughs) Air environment. Trash sheeps. (laughs) Well, I hope that uh, everyone got something really good out of this today. Thank you, Jamin, for actually being really on point with your analogies. I'm very proud of you. Good job. Ooh, Almost as if analogies. we've been having conversations like this for many, many years. <laughs> Certainly not, but... Should check out some of the archives on resident scientists. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's definitely, definitely improved a lot. <laughs> I'm growing. What can I say? <laughs> uh, uh, any pluggables you want to do, Jamin? While we're at the end? Uh, nope. It's got to go. Plug All right. a cork in my children's mouths from screaming upstairs while trying to record this. I cannot hear them, so. Good. Good. Quarantine uh, screaming. Again, reminder of our Twitter account, the Air Environment. It's not the Air Environment. It's just Air Environment. It's at Air Environment. Um, it's spelled like this podcast. I'm trying to be better about uh, tweeting from it. So uh, if you want to like follow me on Twitter, I guess it's Ireland 4242, but I mostly just tweet like random stuff. So it's not very fun. Today Excellent. I tweeted about what I thought the opposite of a potato was. So there is that. Which is what? A kumquat. Don't think I've ever had one of those. It's a fruit. Mm. Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't like mangoes. It does not surprise me that you would not eat a kumquat. Let's see. Let me see what it looks like. Oh, it's a tomato. Is it a tomato? It looks like a tomato. Is it an orange tomato? A kumquat. It's a fruit. Well, a tomato is a fruit. So is it just like like an orange tomato? Not tomato. It's a citrus. All right. I don't think we grow those native here, so I can't eat them. So. No, and you shouldn't because they traveled very far. And they have jet lag, so they probably That's don't right. taste good. Get out of here, jet lag fruits. We don't need you in our lives. That's right. <laughs> cool. Well, does this bring us to the end of another air environment? 
Yep. Excellent. We'll be back. God willing. We'll be back, Jamin. <laughs> also, shout out to a podcast called uh, The Worst Year Ever. Very poorly named podcast, but they have a lot of really cool tips about uh, how to be in a community in a crisis and like like appropriate ways of stockpiling food, like not buying all toilet paper from Meyer. Mm, amen. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. I've got elephant poop bookmarks to use. <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, we'll catch you guys next time and see you in a week or two. Bye. Bye.